Thank you, R.W. I appreciate that. And I appreciate the invitation to come and talk to you today about some things that are on my heart. And uh, actually being born and raised back east uh, in the New York area, and having been saved back there, I was told by my churches that if I would go to out west, or at least it's a real blessing to find out that God is the same here as he is back there. Now, for many of the Easterners that have never been out here, they still think that California is a godless state. Uh, I've told them that's not true, or at least maybe not Southern California anyway. Um, I'd like you to turn, in, if you have your Bibles with you, to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to start reading in verse 29. He giveth power to the faint, and to those who have no might, he increased strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. Father, we do praise Thee for the wisdom of Your Word. We do thank Thee for Your provision to it, to us for it. Father, we ask at this time that You clear our minds. Give us receptive hearts for Your Word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I was telling R.W. before I came over here that I'd much rather have this crowd full of MDs or, or scientists because they're much easier to snow than college students. I guarantee you. I'm much more nervous about talking to you people than I would to them. Uh, you know, you can tell an MD anything and they'll believe you. <laughs> just listen to them the next time you go. Just say, yeah, well, that hurts here. No. Our subject today is uh, one that I think uh, is part uh, near and dear to my heart since I just went through a great deal of soul searching as far as the scriptures searching my soul for waiting on the Lord. And that's what I'd like to talk to you about today. It's one of the toughest things that we encounter on a daily basis of anything that we go through. I mean, we have trials, but everybody hates to wait. You hate to wait in a line. You hate to wait for exam results. You hate to wait for everything. When we want something, we want it now. I don't know I'm like that. I want things now. Something gets in your head, you want it now. You don't want it next week. You want it now. And one of the questions I have for you today is, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting to finish school? Get a job? Are you waiting to get married? Waiting for summer break? Waiting to win the lottery? Waiting for chapel to end? <laughs> Why can we wait? Why wait? Let's turn to Psalm 27. Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Why should we wait? We're going to talk about what we're waiting for in a little while again. But why should we wait? We're commanded. It's very clear here. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait. Wait for what? All the things we just discussed 
and many of the things and career decisions you'll be making. In my own life, after I finished part of my school, since I just got out recently, I've been in college for a long time. Um, I had a chance to move into many different areas. The Lord had blessed in many different ways. And I had to make a decision in the last year of my schooling. And this decision starts in September and by March everybody in your area usually has a job or is usually placed by then. And it was made very clear to me that none of the opportunities that my colleagues were taking or anything that they had in terms of the big bucks was what the Lord was giving me peace about. And I'd been told that, at least from scripture, that if I rely on the Lord and really pray for the Lord's will in my life, He'll direct my path. Lean not on an understanding. And it was a lesson I'd learned through, through school. But I hadn't learned this lesson. Because when March 1 came, I had not taken a job. And everybody by then has taken a job. And everybody's kind of looking at you funny. Hey, what are you still doing? You haven't taken a job yet? I'd either be an academic or whatever. Oh, you don't have a practice yet? What's the, what's the matter with you? <laughs> no, I don't. And, um, and it, it's, it's nerve-wracking, but I didn't have any... I, I, you know, I remembered, well, the Lord will take care of this. And April 1 came. You know, I still didn't have anything firm. I mean, I'd had some offers, but I hadn't taken anything. And it's a month into this time, and, and I'm beginning to panic. And that's when one of my friends who'd been saved a lot longer than I had showed me this verse. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We're told to wait, but we're commanded to. Don't turn there, but in Hosea 12:6, it says... Therefore, turn to thy God, keep thy mercy and justice, and wait on thy God continually. A process that's ongoing all the time. Wait on Him. We were kidding earlier and saying, waiting on the lottery. You know that most people in this country aren't just waiting on the lottery as a big joke. They think that's their salvation. They're waiting for material or for this big jackpot. That's why I asked you, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for that job that's going to be your jackpot? Or are you waiting on the Lord for His will? I guarantee you, when I started to finish and started to wrap things up, I was waiting on a secular job. I was waiting on, okay, I've paid my dues, come to Papa. Money, you know, and I paid a lot of dues. I think I enjoy school for 12 years, I guarantee it. I wasn't thinking about what the Lord might have in mind. May 1 comes, and I still don't have anything. Now, even some of my uh, professors and faculty members are starting to raise their eyebrows. What's up? How come, what's happened to you? I'm waiting on the Lord, I think. I, I, he's going to provide. He promised He would. Wait on thy God continually. That was my first lesson. I had to learn why we can wait, or why wait.
We're commanded. Why can we wait? And wait for what? His perspective. Let's turn to Job 38. It says four Ps. You know, I picked this up from great, these preachers always use four-lettered things. Well, we're going to talk about his perspective first. God's perspective. Number one P. Why can we wait? Job 38. Verse 1, Then the Lord answered out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkened cockle by words without knowledge? Gird up, your lo- gird, up thy- gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. God's perspective, gang, is different than ours. No matter how much you think you're in control of your life, no matter how much you think or are you waiting for something to happen, be it marriage, finish school, whatever, God's running the show. Let's think of his perspective for a minute like a timeline. And let's run the timeline from one wall to the other wall. And it has arrows on either end. Now you know what all that is. That's a ray, right? And a ray goes off in both directions forever. That's God's timeline. It's always been. And it'll always be. Now somewhere along in there, you came into the world. Some of us have been here longer than others. But let's imagine that my age of 29, I, have a, I represent the space on that line of just about a, a centimeter. Or our W might be a foot. I mean, well, sorry, our W. It's not that much older. But if I'm a centimeter and God's line is 100 million miles, he's seen both ends already. His perspective is different than ours. When May 1 came along in my life, yeah, my teeth were chattering. Lord, you know I do, I want your will and all. I gotta have a job. Don't you know? It was supposed to be by March 1. Lord, you know, you can read the calendar, can't you? March 1, I'm supposed to have a job. Where were you when, where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Oh, that's right. God can read a calendar, all right. He knows your situation. He knew mine. He knew it's May 1 and I'm two months behind everybody else. And I'm losing it. There will come a time, I guarantee you, when you will have to wait on the Lord. Even if it's not right now. My time was then. And I'm not waiting very well. I'm saying, Lord, if it be your will, and I really want it to be your will, Lord, give me a job. His perspective, his timeline, is different than our own. Wholly different. In Romans 8.28, let's go there real quick. Romans 8.28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. God's perspective again. I had forgotten this verse. I mean, he had never learned it. I haven't been saved that long. But I had forgotten this verse. His perspective. While I was losing it, God's looking at both directions. Going, look. I can just see it. Look, you idiot. I've been around forever and I'm going to be around forever. You're one little centimeter on that line. And if all things, and if the promises, and if I believe for a second this Bible, if I believe it for a second, 
that he is the creator of the heavens and the earth and his timeline does go like that and if it says then we know that all things work together for good to them that love God okay what am I supposed to do when I'm waiting and I'm losing it love God that's all then all things will work together for good because of his perspective second P power don't go there Genesis 1 1 In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's power. I guarantee you that's power. Having been in science for some time, I have a unique opportunity to look at creation and what I see around me in a very different light than most people do. And the mechanisms, the way the Lord ran, runs this show, are mind-boggling. And that's why I went into it. God created the heaven and the earth. You want to know why you can wait? And what you're waiting for, that's power in a big way. You know, I realize I spent the last 18 months trying to synthesize a single compound. 18 months of my life, on and off, trying to synthesize one silly little compound. God created the heavens and the earth. Puts it in perspective for me. His power is why I can wait. That's power. His perspective, and he has the power. We can rely on him. Let's all turn to John 11. We're going to be jumping around a little bit more. John 11. Look at verse 32. Then when Mary was come when Jesus, where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. I know it reads a little differently than yours. What's the story? Mary and Martha. They sent a rider unto Jesus. Jesus, come quick. Lazarus, our beloved brother, is dying. It's the most important thing in your life. Right now. Well, if you were pushed, you'd say the Lord. You'd say a few other things first. Everybody does. But here's someone, Mary and Martha, who truly love the Lord... And they'd sent their rider to go get him because their brother, who they really loved, was dying. Think of the most loved one in your life is dying. And you know that if you can get a hold of this certain person, in this case Christ, and bring him to your place, he won't die. You know it. you imagine what they, what they were doing as they sent the rider out? They were waiting, weren't they, on the Lord, praying. It says Martha, later on here, it says Martha was praying fervently that the Lord would come. Weren't they waiting for a good cause? More than the causes that we probably had to wait for in our lives? Or their career, or the lottery, or one of those others. These people were waiting for the Lord to get there so they could so he could rescue their brother. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and he died. Oh well, I waited on the Lord and he let me down. Verse 42. 43, I'm sorry. And when he had thus had spoken, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Something as irreversible as death, the Lord has power over. Martha and Mary waited, and they thought the Lord had blown it. He didn't show. He died. God, if you'd only been here, 
Lord, if you'd only been here. He takes an irreversible situation in our eyes, and I guarantee you most people still think death is irreversible. If any of you know thermodynamics, the delta G for that is out there. Lazarus, come forth. (laughs) Wow. What would you say? Your pal's been dead for four years. Your brother's been dead for uh, four days. I'm sorry. And uh, he could do that too. Lazarus, come forth. An irreversible situation where they waited on the Lord. They probably had thought he'd blown it. Wouldn't you? Lord, if he'd only gotten here, he's been dead for four days. You know, it also tells us he waited around just long enough so he would deep six. Lord's power as something as irreversible as death. The Lord's able to turn it around. At May 1, I thought I was history. Now it's June 1. (laughs) I thought I was history back on May 1. Now it's June 1 and I'm really lost. Lord, this is not irreversible anymore. I am now marked. I haven't got a job yet. I've been hanging around here. Time to go. Go, go, go. Lord, are you in control? Have you forsaken me? This really looks irreversible to me, Lord. Don't you think Mary and Martha were saying the same thing? His perspective and his power. He's got power. He can raise people from the dead. He can certainly, and is certainly, worth waiting on. His promise. Psalm 37. And I'll read verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of them who prosper in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of them who prosper. Don't you ever look at the rest of the world sometimes and you think, well, you know, I'm just a poor old Christian and I, or I'm saved and I'm never going to have the things that the rest of the world does. I thought that way sometimes just after I got saved. I said, well, I'm going to lose a lot. I won't be able to do certain things. The Lord has made many promises in Scripture. If you jump down to verse 9, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait upon the Lord, what? Shall inherit the earth? That's quite a lottery. You want to wait on something really worthwhile... I want to inherit the earth rather than win the lottery. You'd ask anybody. Well, you get the whole earth or you win the lottery. It's the California State Lottery. What are they going to pick? That's not the question, really. It's what are you going to pick? God has told us to wait. He commanded it. He knows certainly has the power. And now he's promising you things for it. You'll inherit the earth. I know he's got the perspective. He certainly has the power. And on top of all of that, he unloads promises on us. Wait upon the Lord, shall inherit the earth. I want to be one of those. In Proverbs 20, just one book over. Proverbs 20, verse 22. Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. What a promise. Not only do we get to inherit the earth, but he's going to save us. While those of you who are saved saying, well... I'm already saved. I got my fire insurance. Are you waiting on the Lord? He says, I can save you. I'll give you the earth and I'll save you. And I got the power to do it. Wait. 
It's June 1, and I'm losing it. I'm not reading these verses. I'm looking at it from my perspective at all the things I can do to get out of my circumstance. The Lord's abandoned me. I'm not waiting on Him. I've got to go do this myself. It becomes a big time in your life. His promise. Lastly, but not leastly, and there's a couple examples here we want to go through. His proving, and we won't go there. What do you get out of waiting on the Lord? What can you get out of waiting on the Lord? I'll go there. You stay. What happens to you when you've waited on the Lord? We're moving a little fast. Job 42 and verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he had prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. Got these promises of inheriting the earth and saving us. Now he turns and what does he do to Job who waited on him? You talk about somebody who was a hurting tomato. Job was a hurting tomato. You read those verses. Not only does he take out his entire family, but all his wealth and possessions, but he puts them in sackcloth and ashes. This guy is hurting. What did he do? He waited on the Lord. He proved him. It was proving for Job. Tough situation. Have you ever been in a really tough situation in your life for a long, expended period of time? I pray that you will be. Because guess what you'll do? You'll memorize the same verses I did. Seek ye first. Lean not on an understanding. And wait on the Lord. That's the only time these verses are ever really going to mean anything to you, by the way. Is when you're pushed. When you're pushed off your pedestal. I'm running the show. I'm waiting on my secular job, my marriage, my money, my whatever. I was ripped off that. I thought I had been armed to the teeth, educationally speaking, and I was. June 1's here and I'm blowing it. Let's look at some examples of not waiting. First Samuel, we'll have to hustle. First Samuel chapter 11. I'm sorry. First Samuel chapter 13. And I'll read this. First Samuel chapter 13, verse 8. And he tarried there seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered around him. And Saul said, Bring here a burnt offering to me and peace offering. And he offered the burnt offering. He didn't wait. And it came to pass, as soon as he had ceased offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came up, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might bless him. You know, just at the minute you think you've waited long enough, Saul blows it. What did he blow? Verse 11, And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me. Man's logic. It's June 1st and I'm losing it. So, you know, I'm thinking. I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou comest not within the days appointed. Days appointed? And that the Philistines gathered themselves toward marriage. Therefore I said to the Philistines, Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. You know what happens in the rest of this story? Verse 14, skip to, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. Saul didn't wait. Look what happened to him. He's king of all of Israel. A hot shot. King of the whole shooting match. And he didn't wait quite long enough. What did God do? He took it away. I'm really starting to lose it since it's June 1. And I'm about to take things into my own hands. 
every form of logic and every human perspective is shot because I'm three months behind where I'm supposed to be. In Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1, the children of Israel are supposed to be waiting for Moses to come down from the mountain. They thought they'd waited long enough. And without going there, you know the story, what happens. They fall into all sorts of hairy stuff. Oh, Moses ain't going to come down. He's abandoned us. He got zapped into another dimension on the top of that mountain. He's never coming back. Thousands were killed that day because they didn't wait on the Lord. Aren't there examples in scriptures of people who have waited? And don't you want to be one of the examples of those who did? I certainly did. I waited on the Lord just long enough after my PhD was finished that when I thought I had made my mind up that June 10th would be the end or June 24th would be the end that I would take it in my own hands and take the job. June 24th came along and I was sick. Couldn't get up to make the phone calls. I was going to accept a job. I'd already done all that. I was going to accept the job. June 25th comes. I get back into school and I'm going to, you know, call and accept the job that I did not, the Lord had not given me peace in my heart about. I got a call that day that I'd won the National Science Service Award and they wanted to make me an NIH fellow at Harvard. What? I thought it was one of my buddies kidding me. We've done this to our other friends before. <laughs> and I thought, okay. I thought, this has got to be Brad or Bricker. So I played along for just about a second, and then I started to lay in. This is the chairman of the Department of Chemistry at Harvard Med that I'm about to rail, because I think it's one of my friends. You know, they knew that I was going to make up my mind June 24th to take one of these other jobs, and here's this guy saying, and we'll give you a full fellowship and all that, and I'm going, yeah, right, pal. <laughs> now, this is a place I'd always dreamed of going. Secularly speaking, this is a reward beyond what I could ever even begin to tell you, people. Because I'm just an average Joe Schmo kid, and I happen to get lucky a little bit, or the Lord had blessed. And after I got saved, boy, did the Lord bless. This was something I dreamed about all my life, doing science in the big time. If I had done it on June 24th and accepted those jobs, I could not have accepted this fellow. Did I, did I wait on purpose? No. It was purely accidental. If I hadn't been sick, I would have accepted those jobs. I'm not saying, you know, I'm holy and I waited just like David has. And No, no. It was purely accidental. What did I really wait for? The secular job to go to Harvard? No. There was a lesson the Lord taught me in Boston. I was driving home one night from church. We'd been up. New thing for me, which was door knocking. Had the door slammed in my face for three solid weeks in a row. Nobody would wanted to talk to us. I said, this must be the usual. I was getting a little discouraged. I was waiting in a light. And um, the train came by, and I was going to gun it. And I looked at the train, and I could have made it, but I said, I'll wait. Train goes by, I stop at a store, pick up some gum, and I come out of that store, and after all night of witnessing, after getting your door slammed in your face, you have a, you, you flow a little bit. You don't think about what you're doing. What had I been doing all night long? I've been passing on tracks. What did I do? Pull the track out of my pocket and hit this guy. Didn't even look at him. Didn't even think twice about it. Do you realize if I hadn't waited, or if I had been thinking rationally, I would have never hit this guy with a track. Old 68-year-old guy. He says, what's this? Are you 100% sure? Sure about what? 
You mean he didn't kick me in the shin? Sure about what? Well, do you have any idea what's going to happen to you when you die? No, what? Do you know? <laughs> Reach in my pocket and pull out the New Testament. Well, no, I don't, but God says he does. About 20 minutes later, this guy was on his knees, tears streaming down his face, tears streaming down my face, and he's saved. What did the Lord allow me to do? He allowed me to lead someone to the Lord because, Lord, because I waited. What do I have now? If I were to be aced right now, I've got a treasure in heaven. Where are you laying up treasures? And who are you waiting on? And what are you waiting for? Bill Crowley on Gorham Road. Let's think of one person who really did wait in Scripture. Let's turn to Luke. And I'll wrap it up here. Luke chapter 2. Verse 25 and 26. Thus saith the Lord that dealt with me in those days in which he looked to me to take away the approach of men. And uh-oh, this is not, I'm in the wrong chapter. Okay. There we go. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And the New American Standard says, looking. What's the difference? Looking, waiting. Simeon, he's waiting. He's about to die. I'm waiting for my job. Very tall, small, and temporal in comparison to waiting for your death. What's he waiting on? Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Did he wait? Verse 26. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. Simeon was waiting for the salvation of the entire world. Not just Israel here. Here's this old guy who says, and very, and when you talk about people in the New Testament, righteous and devout, waiting, looking for the consolation of Israel. To the Lord, did he wait long enough? The Holy Spirit told him that he wouldn't see death before he had known the Holy, uh, before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. What can I say in conclusion? If I hadn't waited just long enough, I wouldn't be here. Three weeks ago, we were out knocking doors, ran into an older lady who hadn't been out of church in, I mean, hadn't been out to church in several, several months. Could be up to a year. That lady was saved already. She broke my heart. She said all she wanted to do was go hear some hymns. I go get her every Sunday now. This lady's in her 70s. When I go see her when she's not on her way to church, she's burnt. Her eyes are shut. She's wiped out. Every Sunday I've gone to get her, there's a spark. This lady's fired up. She wants to go hear the word. She wants to sing some hymns. She wants to praise God. If I hadn't waited, I would have never gone see this lady. What's really important? Going to see Shirley and bringing her to church every Sunday or waiting for the lottery? Or waiting for your secular job or whatever it is? Let's pray. Mm-hmm.